0: You know, the Spirit can come tonight. Matter of fact, I believe He came this morning. I believe He's here tonight. Just as He was in that upper room. And can I tell you, Jesus, I'm telling you, the Spirit is heavy in this house today. My God, my God. There's one line in that song. I was at an old camp meeting. Why do we think we have to wait for camp meeting to experience the power of the Lord? We don't. I firmly believe over the last month or so we have, oh my goodness, a lot of services over the last two years to be real honest. We have just experienced and felt and encountered that little taste of heaven on earth. And I'm so very thankful that we don't have to wait for a special meeting, a special singer, a special preacher. It's not dependent upon my abilities or talents. Thank God it's not. It's not dependent upon the talents and abilities of Stanley, though he is talented and he has abilities. We're blessed to have Him. But it it don't depend on Him. It don't depend on me. There is nothing we can do. Yes, I know James says that faith without works is dead. But there is nothing you can do to earn or buy the blessings of God or the outpouring of the Spirit other than be obedient to Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that tonight. But you know, at the same time, I believe we should come in here expecting... When we walk through that door, we should expect God. When we pass away, we should expect heaven. That was the first sermon out of this series that I'm doing. When we walk through that door, we should expect the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not die on a cross just so we could be reconciled to the Father. But He died on the cross and was resurrected by His own words so that He could send us another comforter. We should expect the Holy Spirit every time we walk through these doors. From this morning, I believe fully that we should expect to walk in the blessings of God. We should expect to walk in joy and peace. Matter of fact, I'd almost go as far to say as if you're one that loves to wallow in chaos in your life, you need Jesus. And I don't say that lightly. There are some people that love to wallow in self-pity and love chaos with everything in them. That ain't of Christ. The Word of God tells me He is joy and peace and comfort There is no joy and peace and comfort in causing chaos. We should expect every time we not just walk through the church doors, but when our feet hits the floor of the mornings, we should expect the blessings of God on our life. We should expect to walk in joy and peace. And furthermore, to get to tonight, I believe if something is wrong with us, whether it be spiritually or physically or mentally or whatever the case may be, we should expect God to move and work a miracle on our behalf. There is nothing wrong with expecting God to fulfill His Word and what He has said. He said, all of these things that I do and greater ye shall do. Every time He healed a man with blinded eyes, He expects us To expect that today. Because His Word said, you shall do these things. Some of y'all may have seen the little graphic I put on Facebook earlier. And I didn't really put a verse on there, but I'm going to be generally in Matthew 9 tonight. But I'm going to read just one verse to start. And this is where I'm going to try to work back to. Try. If you would, turn to Matthew 9, verse 35, and as you find that, if you would stand, or if you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen here. I'm just going to read this one verse to start. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, the church house, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And, and, not just healing one, not just healing one type, it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Oh, my Lord. Jesus, 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 Heavenly Father, tonight I simply pray for you, the power and presence of your Holy Ghost. Nothing more and nothing less will do. God, let us just experience the power and presence of your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. People, I'm telling you, I don't know if you feel back there what I feel up here, but there is just a powerful, almost a heavy presence of the Spirit in this church house today. I felt that as soon as I walked in this morning, tonight I walked back in and it's like he's sitting here expecting us to come back in and worship. That he knew that we were going to come in and lift his name. It's like he didn't leave, we left out of his presence just to walk right back into it. Nevertheless, let me try to get to this because I believe God wants to move tonight just like He moved this morning. I believe expectations are good things to set. You know, I've covered that a little bit kind of each step along the way. You know, in relation to tonight, one of those things that we expect when we get sick, we expect to be able to go to a doctor. And we expect that doctor to have an answer, but there are times when they just simply don't Have an answer. You know, I've told you, I've got a very young cousin. Uh, She might be 19 yet, but I don't know that she is. She might still be 18. As soon as she graduated high school, she was diagnosed with metastatic sarcoma. And she just recently come home on hospice. The doctors have run out of answers. Now, I don't know what the answer of Jesus will be, but I know what he's capable of. I know what I pray for. We've got some in here that I I suspect uh, probably has seen the miracles of God work in your life at various points, at various times. That there have been things that you have seen God do in your life, and now maybe you're at a point, and I'm going to go back a little bit, I'm going to stay generally in Matthew 9, but I want to go back for just a minute to some scripture I, I started to get to this morning and I held off for tonight. You see, I believe some of you are probably like that widow at Zarephath that I talked about this morning. You know, she needed a miracle because she was getting ready to die. And all of a sudden, Elijah comes along and he's asking for her last bit of bread. and, And sure enough, she's obedient to the Lord. And she experiences the miracle of her flour and her oil not running out. And I believe, surely, that some in this church house tonight have, have seen these types of miracles in your life. That you have seen God be that provision that you need in times of distress, and times of lack. That He has certainly been your God of peace and comfort and your God of plenty. He has been your shield. He has been your high tower that you have run into. And He has protected you and kept you. But now I believe some of you that have seen that are now where this widow ended up at. What do I mean by that? After she experienced the miracle of God and the flower never running out and the oil never running out, the one family member she had died. If you will go read in 1 Kings 17, it says it came to pass after these things in other words, after the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. Not just sick, they're being polite. His sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. This woman had experienced the miracles of God. She knew God to be real and true. She knew that the prophet had been in her presence. She knew where to go. She was doing what she needed to do. And yet all of a sudden, that which she held dear to her heart died. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Now I believe that we have people that are at that point or have been at that point or maybe you feel like you're getting to that point. In other words, you have seen God move and work in your life and yet now you're listening to some other voice. I believe this woman was listening to some other voice. In other words, not the voice of the prophet, not the voice of God, but she was listening to the devil whisper in her other ear, look there, it don't matter what God done for you yesterday, he's not going to do it again today. So she was grasping on to that. But what I am come here to tell you tonight is that you should not listen to that, but rather you should walk in the door expecting a miracle. You didn't walk through that door just so you could hear me talk for 30 or 40 minutes. You didn't walk through that door to walk back out without God answering your needs. Rather you have come through that door because you believe and expect God to be able to move. I believe that He can move for you tonight just like He did for that woman. Although that woman and I don't know necessarily expected in that moment because she was questioning but yet that didn't matter Elijah still said bring the boy to me and he took him up to the chamber and he stretched out over him three times and he come back to life and he took him back down to his mama alive alive. of life give her back what she wanted now I believe we can experience that same type of thing tonight why because I don't see a group of people sitting in here questioning the Lord I don't see a group of people in here saying well God done it once but I'm sure he's not going to do it again what I see is a group of people that made an effort to come out of their house on a Sunday night you might have already went to church this morning but it didn't matter you still knew that you needed something for God and you got yourself together and you walked out of the door and you put forth effort to come through the doors of the house of the Lord now I believe you come through expecting that's why I'm going to Matthew chapter 9 tonight there are several miracles that happen in In Matthew chapter 9, but there is one thing kind of unique about him. You will look in other places and and one that comes to mind immediately is in John chapter 9. Jesus has run out of the temple and he just happens by this man that is born blind. Now, I don't believe it was by happenstance. I believe that he knew exactly where he was walking, but that man was not necessarily expecting anything. But yet God healed him. You see in um, Acts chapter three, I believe it is, with Peter and John, they're going into the temple. And there's the one that is laying by the gate begging. He's a lame man, and Peter and John look at him and says, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee, arise and walk." You see, he wasn't expecting. The one in John chapter nine wasn't expecting, but here in Matthew 9, what we have is a group of people expecting. It starts out at the very beginning, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him. They brought to him. In other words, there was some people that understood that the doctors had done all they could do, or maybe they didn't even have the ability or capability at that particular time to do what was needed, So behold, they brought to Jesus because they expected, they didn't hope, they expected that when they went through the effort and got into the presence of the man that they had heard about, this carpenter from Galilee that could walk on water and had healed others, they expected that when they come into his presence that he would be able to do what was needed. So they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. In other words, this man was paralyzed. That's why he had to be brought lying on a bed and Jesus seeing their faith said unto the sick of the palsy son be of good cheer thy sins be forgiven thee there's something very important in that part to me that ultimately our healing here doesn't mean a hill of beans we're going to die at some point unless God comes back we are going to face death it might be quick and easy, it might be slow and painful, it might be uh, peaceful, it might be torment, I don't know how your death is going to be, but I can assure you that you can settle the peace or the torment right now here tonight by accepting Jesus Christ because I've watched people die, I've watched far too many people die, I've watched a, a person, let me just put it that way, neither male nor female, just a person, lay in their bed and scream because of what was Coming on the other side of death. I have watched people sit in their beds and die with peace with a smile on their face, gazing up, knowing that when they closed their eyes and when they took their last breath that they were going to meet their Savior face to face. You can settle peace and torment tonight. And that is the absolute most important thing. And perhaps that's the biggest miracle of all is seeing someone submit their fleshly desires to Christ and become righteous. That they pursue after righteousness and holy uh, and peace with all men, without which no man shall see the the Lord. That's what it tells us in Hebrews. Let me get back to the text. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Why? Because they had faith. They knew that Jesus was Lord and they were bringing everything they had to him. I don't think it's any great theological debate. There's no great mystery there. Why were their sins forgiven? Because they had faith in Jesus Christ. You want your sins forgiven. Have faith in Jesus. But because Jesus said that. You can go on down to verse 3. And it says. Behold. Certain of the scribes said within themselves. This man blasphemeth. Jesus forgives sins. Who is he to forgive? So Jesus knowing their thoughts. Said. Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts. Whether it is. Easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk. Well, we know which is easier. My goodness, I can look at you and tell you your sins are forgiven. I don't know if they are or not. But I can look at you and I can tell you that, and there is no expectation on me at all. None. None. But now if I look at you and you're paralyzed and someone done had to carry you into the church house and they've stretched you out on the altar, if I look at you and say arise and walk, that's a hard thing. There are some expectations that will follow up with that. But that ye know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house and he departed to his house that simple but you see here this wasn't like the blind man in John chapter 9 this wasn't like the the crippled beggar over in Acts chapter 3 both of those were just happened to be there but here they came to Jesus expecting and what did Jesus do when they came expecting him to move that which was Oh, Really, you could almost call dead. If you're paralyzed, you're, your body is dead. Your mind might not be, your soul is still there, but your body is essentially dead because you can't move it. You can pick it up and you can put it where you want it, but you can't will it to move. God looked down in all of his mercy when they come to him in faith, when they come to him expecting, and he said, Arise. That which couldn't move was all of a sudden able to move. That which had to have people carry him in on a bed and lay him at the feet of Jesus was able to get up on his own accord and walk back out of the house and go to his own house under his own power. They came expecting, and Jesus delivered. And it drew the multitude. Now, there is a little passage in there where Matthew is called. There's a question about fasting. The next passage about healing in Matthew 9 is absolutely one of my favorite passages of Scripture to preach because there's two miracles wrapped in one. One interrupts the other, but yet Jesus and all of his infinite power and wisdom, it didn't matter because he had enough power, he had enough time, he had enough uh, miracles for the both of them. However, you want to look at it, but it's the story of uh, J. Iris's daughter and the woman with the issue of blood. You see, oftentimes I will hear preachers talk about one, but not the other. They'll preach one passage of that with, without getting the entire passage, and that's okay because both can stand on their own. But it clearly starts out with J. Iris coming to Jesus. You see, not like the blind man, not like the crippled beggar, but he come to Jesus. Why? Because he had the expectation that Jesus could deliver what he needed. While he spake these things unto them, starting at verse 18, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him. You see, before Jairus ever asked for anything, before Jairus ever told Jesus what His expectations were of Him, He came to Jesus and worshipped. You really see that in the very first one also when they came and laid the cripple at Jesus' feet. And they didn't even particular ask for anything. He said, "Your sins are forgiven. They just come expecting Jesus. Here Jairus came and he expected Jesus. And he worshipped him from the very start. And then he said, my daughter is even now dead. But come lay thy hand upon her, she shall live. He came expecting. He come expecting a miracle. He knew that if he went to the local physician, that that girl would not come back to life he knew that if he took his daughter to the undertaker that she would be put in the ground He didn't like either one of those options, so he went to where he knew he could get an answer. I believe that's why we come into the church house. We come where we know we can get an answer, and I believe that if we will walk through those back doors and we will walk in expecting God to move, that he will move just according to his word, just as he has promised us time after time after time, just as he shows us miracle after miracle after miracle, that what we will see happen is even if he gets interrupted, You've come in tonight. You're expecting God to move on your behalf. Whenever I get to an altar call here in a little bit, you may come up to the altar and you think you need to be first, but for some reason I end up over here, don't you be dismayed. Because that's what happened to Jay Iris. You see, Jay Iris come, and he said, you've got to come take care of my daughter. I can't send her to the undertaker. The doctor can't help me. But Jesus, I need you. He had Jesus' attention. He had His attention. They were on their way for His miracle to happen. And all of a sudden, someone else popped in. Someone else was looking for Jesus too. The woman with the issue of blood. She had spent everything she had. She had spent 12 years spending every penny she had trying to find a solution. For her problem. She was unclean. She couldn't be around other people. She couldn't fellowship. Surely she was probably weak. Said Jesus arose and followed him. So did his disciples talking about going after Jairus in verse 19. But when you go to 20 it says. And behold a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him. You notice she wouldn't just happen to be there. Understand that this woman with the issue of blood fought to get to Jesus. One, she had to fight against the law to be able to get to Jesus. Because she wasn't supposed to be around people. She was unclean. But she also had to fight the crowds to get to Jesus. She had to fight, I'm sure, I'm positive that she also had to fight her own mentality. Can you imagine if for 12 years you suffered with the same problem? And you went to the doctor expecting them to help you and you wasted your money. Then you scrape up enough to go to another one because they... You've heard that maybe they can help you. And you go to them, and you've wasted your money. You're twice burned. You get up the courage and the money to go to yet another one. And you walk in and you lay your money down. and The doctor tells you, sorry, I can't do anything for you but I'll take your money and your expectations and I'll run with it. You're an outcast. You're unclean. You're not supposed to be in the church house. You've went everywhere else and they've taken your money. They've taken your dignity. They've taken your expectations and they've run with. It. Tell me she didn't fight some mental challenges to get to where she was at. But she said within herself. You remember David encouraged himself in the Lord. A ziklag. David, that's another one of my favorite stories to preach out of the Bible because David had to encourage himself. All of his men turned against him. He lost all of his possessions. They lost all of their possessions. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And when he did, he went and he recovered all and then some. I preached that here. I don't know. It's been six or eight months ago. And then some. He recovered all and then some. This woman here, she had to encourage herself. She said, if I may but touch his garment. And I love the word choice here. You see, she didn't say, if I can but touch his garment, then I won't bleed anymore. If I can but touch his garment, maybe I'll be able to get into heaven and then I'll be okay. If I can touch his garment, maybe I won't be unclean anymore and I'll be able to get back around people. No, she said, if I can but touch his garment, I shall be Whole. Whole. Body mind, soul she won't have to fight anymore about leaving her money at a doctor that is going to take it and run with it she won't have to worry anymore about being an unclean outcast and wondering how she's going to fellowship with people she won't have to worry anymore about getting out of bed weak because she's had an issue of blood for 12 years she won't have to worry anymore about whether Jesus loves her or not she won't have to listen to voices in her ear anymore because she will know that if she touches the hem of his garment and she is made whole, that everything will be A-OK. But now understand, the whole time that's happening, Iris is over here in the corner, and he's wondering, Jesus, you were following me. You were taking care of my miracle. What's going on? Jesus turned him about When he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Someone tonight needs to know you need to be of good comfort. Why? Because your faith has made you whole. You might have walked in with an issue you've been battling for 12 years. This woman did. When she walked into the presence of Jesus, she had been battling the same thing for 12 years. And yet Jesus looked at her and in a moment he said, Your faith hath made thee whole. And. it wasn't just words when Jesus Christ gets a hold of you it's not just empty words it's not just empty promises but when God says it you can take it to the bank when Jesus looked at her and says your faith has made you whole the woman was made whole from that hour right there on the spot that fount of blood dried up right there on the spot her mind was clear right there on the spot she had an assurance that she was going to live in eternity at the Throne of God in heaven, on that spot she was made whole. Amen. But understand this whole time J. Iris is over in the corner, his daughter's dead somewhere else, and this woman has interrupted Jesus. Both of them come to Jesus. Both of them had expectations. Some of you might not have been battling for 12 years, but you see someone get their breakthrough and you might be like J.I.R. sitting on the sidelines, wondering, "God, what's happened? Have you taken care of them and forgot about me?" Don't act like you ain't done it. We've all done it. But you see how it's set apart at least in 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 my Bible here, even within the King James, sometimes you'll get a little different punctuation In mine. It's set apart in parentheses, bracketed off. Starting in verse 20, you'll see that little line in front, and at the end of 22, you'll see another little line. In other words, this woman with the issue of blood was just an aside to what Jesus' real mission was. He didn't take it lightly. He don't take you lightly. But his main issue is life. This woman could have lived and still got to heaven, even though the world seen her as unclean. But he still had compassion, and she come expecting, and he still fulfilled. But it's just an aside to life. Because you see, when it picks up in verse 23, we don't even see that Jesus had turned his step or anything. You could read 19 and then skip down to 23, and it makes perfect sense. And Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. And when they came into the ruler's house. Makes perfect sense, don't it? This little aside just happened. And to Jesus it wasn't no thing. It didn't matter if that daughter had been dead for two minutes. Or if like Lazarus she had laid in a tomb and already been to the undertaker. It didn't matter. Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. You see, they would would hire people to come in. Someone died. They would hire people to come in and cause a ruckus, to mourn, to make a scene of it, let everybody know they were in mourning. My Lord, don't we do the same thing sometimes? We got to get everybody involved and make a scene so everybody knows what we're going through. But when Jesus comes in, he says to shut it up. Actually, he was a little more polite than Steve Webb would be. He said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead. They laughed at him. Laughed him to scorn, it says. When the people were put forth, Jesus put them out of there. He didn't have no room for doubt. Didn't have no room for people making fun of him. He went in, and he took her by the hand, and the maid arose. You see, three times already we have seen, and I'm not done yet. Three times already we have seen the man with palsy came to Jesus expecting a miracle. And what did he get? He got a miracle. He was carried in by his friends, but he walked out on legs that Jesus healed. We see Jairus come And he needed his daughter brought back to life. And even though Jesus was interrupted on his mission by someone else that needed something, it was still accomplished. He came in faith expecting that God could deliver. And what happened? God delivered. His daughter was no longer dead. Interrupting this scene with Jairus, you see that a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years came to Jesus expecting something to happen in her life. And what happened? She walked away made whole. Her expectations were met by Jesus Christ. But see, when Jesus left out of the ruler's house, and I know I've been calling him Jairus. You can match that up with the other Gospels and you will see that that's what we're talking about. It doesn't actually give the name in Matthew. But as he was leaving Jairus' house, Two blind men followed him. They followed him. They were coming after him. Why? Because they had expectations. They expected that what nobody else could do, that this man that had just made the lame to walk, that had just stopped an issue of blood, that had just raised the dead, they expected that he would be able to do something for them also. So they followed him crying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. They came to Jesus with an expectation. So when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. They followed him all the way to somewhere. How many times, I, I bet their voice was about going, about like mine is right now after a day of preaching. How many times do you think they cried out to Jesus? Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, hear me, listen to me. Have mercy on me. They followed him from house to house. And I don't think they hollered just one time. Blind men came into him and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. They come to him expecting. He asked them, do you believe I can do it? So what do you think would happen when that goes on? He touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you, and, and. Their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man knoweth. That part's a different sermon. But he touched them and their eyes were opened. You see, the paralytic came, born by his friends, and he was expecting God to move, and God moved. Jairus's daughter died. He came expecting that God would raise her from the dead, and she was raised. The woman with the issue of blood came, Because she expected that even though every physician she had encountered had failed her, she knew that there was a God that could not fail, and if she could but touch the hem of his garment, she would be made whole. And when she expected it and when she followed through, guess what? Her expectations were met, and she was made whole. On the heels of all of this, I know Jesus had to be tired. He had to be wore out. He had done been in the crowds preaching. Surely his energy level was down from healing person after person. And all of a sudden, someone is chasing him as he is trying to go home for the night. And they're saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And they go and they follow Him all the way into His house expecting that He will move and heal them. And what does Jesus do yet again? When they show up expecting, when they acknowledge Him for who He is, He reaches down and touches them. And be it according to thy faith, you are made whole. And He opens their eyes. You would think that would be it, wouldn't you? There's still yet another one in Matthew chapter 9. And guess what? It's not one he happens by on his way. It is someone that is brought to Jesus. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake paralytic, came expecting he's healed. Jairus come expecting his daughter to be raised, and she is. The woman with the issue of blood came expecting Jesus to make her whole, and he did. Two blind men chased him down into his home at the end of the day, expecting that they could see, and they did. And as Jesus went out the next time, they brought a man possessed and dumb and unable to speak to him, expecting him to be delivered and healed, and he was. Everyone you encounter in Matthew 9 came expecting a miracle, and they walked back out with what they expected. And then finally we come to the verse that I started with, and I'm going to wrap up with this. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and, I love those ands. Healing every sickness. You got migraines? I believe He can heal them. You got cancer? I believe He can heal it. You got an issue with blood? I believe He can heal it. You've got bowel issues? I believe He can heal it. You got eye problems, I believe he can heal it. You got arthritis problems, I believe he can heal it. You got COPD, I believe he can heal it. No matter what it is, because the word tells me that he went out healing every sickness and every disease among the people. I don't know how many diseases there are. There are medical encyclopedias that take up thousands of pages describing different illnesses. And yet here in one simple line in the Bible it tells me that it is all subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. This is over in James chapter 5, starting at verse 13. This is actually my altar call tonight. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Why? Because you should walk in that door expecting a miracle of Jesus Christ. You should walk in that door every time you come in the back door of this church. And you take a seat to worship and praise. You should expect the blessings of God to be poured out upon you and you should expect a miracle. Because the Word of God says it's yours to have. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. We're getting ready to do both. The altars are getting ready to be opened and someone's going to be singing. If you're merry and happy and everything's good in your life, I want you to just raise your hands and praise and pray tonight when we get to that point. But if you're afflicted, I want you to come and pray. It's what the Word says to do. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Let you call for the elders of the church if you're sick and let them pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not just save the sick and we got that little conjunction there again and the Lord shall raise him up I believe that with everything in me because I have seen God move I have seen God heal I have seen God deliver I have seen God set free it's told in his word time and again that if you come expecting that he will follow through and he will deliver on his word on, I have seen it with my own eyes I believe that when it says the lord shall that indeed The Lord shall. I believe that if you're afflicted, you need to come and pray. That if you're merry, you need to just lift your hands and sing. But if you're sick, I believe you need to come. And you need to let us anoint you with oil and pray for you. And I believe the Lord will save and I believe the Lord shall raise you up. The altar call is exactly that simple tonight. If you're happy, I want you to stand as someone comes and sings. And I want you to praise and pray. If you're afflicted in the depths of your soul and something's wrong, I want you to come and pray. Because right here you can find joy and peace and comfort. That ain't saying anything's wrong with you. That's just saying you know where you can go to get the help that you need.